The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. More information about the church is available at www.gracefcwesterville.org. John chapter 13, verses 33 through 34. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you. Where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Now, the Gospel of John has been given many titles, uh, many phrases to try to capture what it's about. I don't think there's any greater than God's love letter to his people. If we were going to set a key verse to this book, we might use John 3.16. But we might also use the verses before us this morning. Because it is in these verses that we see the love of Jesus Christ for his disciples and now his instructions for you and I today to love one another. Verse 34 is the key verse here. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. But it's preceded by a verse that states the reason for this command. Verse 33 says, Little children, yet a while I am with you, you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, I now say to you, where I am going, you cannot go. So Jesus won't be there for much longer. Jesus has been the example of love. But now he's about to leave them. And so the instructions are now turned to them to be this love. So let's look at the significance here of of these these verses. It's a long, it's it's a it's a long two lines, basically. It's evident that since the Lord Jesus Christ was about to depart from this world, and the only example of true love the world had ever known had been he himself. Because 1 John 4 8 says, anyone who does not love God, or excuse me, anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. He was about to prove that love by dying on the cross. Yet the very act of dying would lead to his resurrection, his ascension, and he would be gone from humankind. So how then were men and women to know what true divine love is? How were they to see the love demonstrated when he was about to be taken from them? Well, the answer is that they were to see it in those who were Christ's disciples. Jesus is being taken, but now the disciples are to love as he loved. It's as if Jesus said, I am going away. Now I am giving you the keys, the commandment to share my love and to be Jesus to people around you. The second way in which these verses are significant is in the uh, transference of the disciples' love from Christ to each other. It's interesting because they loved Jesus Christ. They loved him. There's no doubt about that. Several had just prepared the upper room for the meal. In fact, Peter said that if he had to die for him, he would die for him. Of course, it's, it's true that they had this love, but it was going to be tested, and they're going to learn what that love really was. Peter would not die. In fact, he would deny his master. The others would be scattered as soon as he is arrested. 
And yet, just as certainly as they loved him, it is also certain that they didn't really love each other like Christ was talking about here. On the contrary, they were actually jealous of each other. In fact, they bickered going up to the room. Who was the greatest? Who should sit at the right hand of Jesus? So they were in competition. And in this situation, Jesus, who was about to be taken from them, points out that now it is precisely one another whom they must love. And this command will be passed on to you and I today. So what is this new commandment? What what is he talking about, this new commandment? In Matthew 13, in a section of Christ's teaching dealing with the kingdom of God, Jesus speaks of a teacher of the law being like the owner of a house who brings out old and new treasures. Matthew 13, verse 52 says, And he said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. At this point, he is himself like a teacher, for he follows his his uh, preface by giving the command that is at once, once both new and ancient. The command to love is the oldest in existence. In fact, it's recorded for us in Leviticus 19, verse 18. It says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is the verse to which Jesus was referring to when he was asked his opinion concerning what are the greatest commandments. He used this verse And then he went to Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, that says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And then he references Leviticus 19, 18, about loving your neighbor as yourself. So if the commandment was an old one, as it must have been being recorded in the first five books of the Bible, then how is it new? Well, the answer is that it was it was raising to a whole new level. Because now it's not enough just to love your neighbor or your family. Now they're going to be loving others. They're going to be expanding in their love for others who have come to Christ. So what we're going to see is we can say it was given a new object. It's to be exercised according to a new measure. And it is to be made possible by a new power. So let's look at these in more detail. Number one, a new object. It's true that in Leviticus, the Jew is to love his neighbor as himself, but the neighbor involved is a Jewish neighbor. This is a physical family relationship. In Christ's command, by contrast, the relationship is spiritual, for the neighbor is any believer in Christ. Now, I had this really played out before me in a wonderful way this week. On Tuesday night, I was asked to come to uh, the home of um, Caroline and Donald, my captain. They're uh, the family you know from Kenya that's been worshiping with us. In fact, her parents uh, had been here all summer, and their father, Kefa, you know, men, came to our prayer breakfast almost every, every month, and we really got to bond with his family. Well, most of you know that when they got home to Kenya, her parents, that within two weeks, her 19-year-old brother suddenly took ill and died. Very alarming situation. 
And so they asked Meryl and I to come over on a Tuesday night and if I would bring the word, and I wasn't sure what this was about. But uh, when I got there, I was greeted by probably 12 to 15 other Kenyans and a couple of Kenyan pastors and everything. So, So here we were in this room, okay, bound together, two Americans, the rest Africans, and we've been brought together to lift up this family in prayer. We got to share the word, and at the end, we all joined hands and lifted up this family. And I got to tell you something. The Spirit of God was unbelievable. We didn't know each other a few months ago. I didn't know anybody else in that room but, but Caroline and Donald and their kids. But here we were together, loving one another, raising up this family, raising up this young man, knowing he's in glory because of his faith, and the power of the Spirit was unbelievable. And this is what we're talking about here this morning. A new object that we're to increase just from our own culture, our own, as it were, Jewish culture, and expand as God opens the door for Christians all over the world. We are to love each other. Something else about this new object is very important. Jesus says that the disciples are to love one another, and that is to be a witness to the unbelieving world. And we're going to see that in a little more depth in a few minutes. But additionally, we see here, and also in Jesus' example in other passages, that this love is not to be held back from unbelievers. Because Jesus' example is one of love and compassion. When Jesus was on this earth walking around, everyone he came in contact, he took time and he showed love and mercy. He healed. He raised up. He caused the lame to walk, the blind to see. Now, we don't have those gifts today, but it's that same loving compassion that he's talking about in this passage. Even the very nature of the relationship makes this clear. For if the relationship involved is spiritual, then obviously there is no way of knowing who God's people are. When the relationship was physical, the limits were obvious. One was supposed to love another Jew. Gentiles were not to be loved. They were considered... Uh, sinners by the law. But when the matter became spiritual, then the heart of everyone was to be opened up to one of passion and love. There is no more divisions, no races, no languages. Consequently, the Christian is to love every individual, everyone, for anyone can be a special one for Jesus Christ. Now, at the time of Christ, there were many divisions. There was slave and master, barbarian and Greek. There was the man, the woman, and all stood on opposite sides, firing across at each other. But when Jesus Christ came, those divisions began to mend as people became one. Number two, a new measure. He brought a new measure. How would they measure love before Christ? A vague feeling of of goodwill or a sense of pride and race? But it's now that measure of love seen in the fact that God of the universe would take on a human form, suffer, and die for those who are ungodly in order that, in spite of themselves, they could come to him and be saved. 1 John 4.10 says, In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The measure of this love, this standard, is made even clearer in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8a. Love is patient and kind. 
Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And this is the love Jesus brought. And this is what was so new to the world. Number three, he brought a new power. The power, of course, is that of the Holy Spirit, the very life of the Lord Jesus Christ living within every believer. How much do we need this? Well, without it, we can't love in a divine way because it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can genuinely love. Now, let's look at our great example because Jesus is our great example and he indicates this in the second half of verse 34 when he says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Well, how did Jesus love us? Sacrificially, with mercy, with grace, forgiving. You know, we've gone back to this example several times, but when the adulterous woman was brought before her and her accusers left, he said, where's your accusers? She said, I don't have any. He goes, I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. He came to bring mercy. And you and I are to love each other with that same kind of heart, that same forgiving heart. It's not just that we are to love. It is that we are to love as he loved us. And he loved us to the full measure of love. And how can we speak of this practically? Well, for that, let's go back to 1 Corinthians again that I just read, verse 13. And let me just bring this out in a little more uh, leverage this morning. Let me read it again as exactly as it's written. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Now, let me read it again. But this time, let me replace the word love with Jesus. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. Jesus is not arrogant or rude. Jesus does not insist on his own way. Jesus is not irritable or resentful. Jesus does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Jesus never ends. Now, this substitution for Jesus is quite proper because he is the embodiment of such love. Now, let me just flip it one step farther. Because he's just in verse 34 said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Let me read that verse again, only this time, let's replace the word love with I. I am patient and kind. I do not envy or boast. 
I'm not arrogant or rude. I do not insist on my own way. I am not irritable or resentful. I do not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoice with the truth. I bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. My love never ends. Can we as a congregation read that verse with our name back? Because that's precisely what he's instructing them to do. This, this life is tough. I mean, we get into situations and people offend us and hurt us and we act stupid and sometimes we make mistakes. But Jesus is saying, look, there's this new love I'm giving you. There's this new commandment now. It's not under the law. It's not an eye for an eye. Here's the new law. You are to love like I loved you. You are to give yourself to others exactly how I gave myself for you. To love and to never look the other way. To be understanding, to be patient, to be kind, even when you're wrong. When you read it, the results are absolutely humble. Because we we realize in and of ourselves, we can't love this way. We do not even understand such love. We should be asking Jesus to teach us how to love like him. But rest assured that when you pray this way, God will help you through his spirit to be able to love this way. And this is what makes the witness of the church so powerful. Because when you and I have this kind of love, heaven and earth can't touch us. Because the spirit is in control. Now, we should love because. Why should we love like this? We should love like this because, number one, love is God's nature. 1 John 4, 7 through 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. If you name the name of Jesus Christ as your Savior, then there's only one way to love. And that's what he's saying here. Love is God's nature. Number two, love leads to God's gift. We're reminded that, uh, reminded that we were spiritually dead before God the Father sent his Son to die for us. Being dead, we were unable to understand what he did for us. But because of this death, and the spiritual illuminating through the power of his spirit, we begin to understand that his love was so strong that even in our sin, he breaks through. That's why Dan's testimony is so precious this morning. Because even in his knowledge of how he perceived things, God said, no, but I'm going to break you down because I love you too much to let you go. 1 John 4, 9 through 11. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And number three, love is God's present and continuing activity. God is not creating the world today. He already created it. 
He's not sending Jesus to die. Jesus already died. What God is doing is working in Christians through love in order that others who do not yet know him might see him through the divine love seen in you. John writes in 1 John 4.12, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfect in us. And this is how people see Jesus. They see it in you. To many people, you're the only gospel they're going to read. So what's the gospel according to you? This is the power of the Spirit working through you. Do others see Jesus in you? Do they see Jesus in your Facebook posts? Sorry, I had to say no, didn't I? But look, here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. Number four, love is the greatest witness. John 13, verse 35, back in our text. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Now, now hear me. The single greatest witness that you and I have above all other things is how we love the people close to us and the people away from us. Jesus Christ was known while he was on this earth by unmovable love for people. He always met needs. He showered compassion on evil people as well as good. He treated sinners with love and respect. And this was how he was known. And it's how he has commanded us to be known today. Now, let me just take you to a passage of scripture that really nails this down. I want you to go to John chapter 17. And I'm going to steal a little future thunder from one of our upcoming messages. It's four chapters away, so it'll probably be a week or two. Or more. John chapter 17. What I love about this chapter is that it records Jesus praying to the Father. And he's praying for his disciples because he knows he's about to leave. And so he's on his knees and he's calling out to God for these disciples. And let's pick it up in verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate my life that they also may be sanctified in truth. Now get this. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. Now let me stop there. Because do you realize 2,000 years ago when he's praying for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he pauses and he says, now I pray for all those who will come to know me through their words. You know who he's praying for? You and me. 2,000 years ago, on his knees, praying to God, he's got you and I in mind. And that's what he's praying. That they, now notice, I'm praying for them. Verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. There it is again. The unity that you and I have, the love that you and I have for each other, families, neighbors, friends, saved, unsaved, is that drawing power that only the Spirit can use. And that when you and I are unified in that goal and that spirit and that passion, men and women are drawn to Christ. They see it. 
so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22, the glory that you gave me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you loved me. I mean, the power is just limitless there. When you can love the unlovely, when you can forgive the one who wronged you, when you can call upon Jesus Christ and ask him to live through you, you will disarm the unsaved. You will be a magnet drawing people to Christ. This whole concept of love comes in many, many forms as Jesus works in the hearts of each one of us. This week, I had another experience that, quite frankly, was life-changing. <laughs> I'll tell you why. I got this, this invitation from Heather Cunningham. Most of you know Heather Cunningham. She's a little first grader. Blonde, long blonde hair, cute little girl. And she invited me to Pastor Appreciation Day at Northside Christian School on Wednesday. And so, you know, on the cover here, there's, there's everything about there. And, and then you open it up, and here's the schedule of events, just an hour and a half. But uh, there was going to be some people talking, and then the kids were going to sing. And then ne- the next page, she wrote a picture of herself at her desk. And then, of course, the back was the contact information for the school. So Wednesday morning, or last Sunday, she came to me. She goes, you're going to be there. You're not going to miss. I said, no, no, I'll be there. So I got there a little early because I wanted to make sure, you know, everything was going to be fine and at 7.30. And I walked into, into the, um, the gymnasium where they had it set up for breakfast with all the tables. And I hear this, Pastor Craig. And here comes Heather running across the room. And I said, you're here early. And she goes, I was too excited. I had to get here. So, so she took me by the hand and she started introducing me to teachers and all her friends. I met Sissy. Uh, Sissy looks just like her, so it's Sissy. And uh, so we got our pancakes, and we're sitting down at the table, and one of the teachers came over, and she said, uh, hey, a couple of pastors couldn't make it. Would, would you mind if the kids sat with you? I said, sure. And immediately I was inundated with first graders. And here I am at the table, right, me and a bunch of first graders, laughing, joking. They're telling me jokes. I'm telling them jokes. You know, we kind of got, got pretty on pretty well. And then she introduced me to this boy at the end, and she goes, he's pretty funny, but he gets in trouble all the time. And it was like looking at myself. I mean, I, I had flashbacks. But, you know, we got through with a little program, and she showed me her class, and she took and showed me her desk, and I took a picture of her at her desk and texted it to her mom, you know, and just, I was here, you know. And uh, we had a good time. You know, I, <laughs> I went back to my office. And I was just sitting there, and I was saying, God, how cool is this? A little child would ask me to be there. So I was just, you know, thanking him, sitting there. And Marilyn walks in. She said, "Uh, did you look at this? I said, well, yeah, I looked at it. I was just there. And she goes, no, no, did you really look at it? And I said, well, yeah, why? And she goes, no, open it up. Heather had written a verse in here for me. I never saw it. This paralyzed me for the day. Hope I can get through it. 
Jeremiah 3.15. And I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. I was numb. Two years ago, I'm sitting in that second pew. And now I'm reading that he gives pastors from his heart. I was just numb for the day because God is so good. And and can I tell you something? I've had this secret, and I haven't been able to adjust it. Over the last two years, my love has changed so much for you guys. It's gotten so deep, and I'm thinking, but I know all these people. Now I realize that through the pencil of a six-year-old girl giving me God's word, it's because it's And in that vein, he says to you, I give you a new commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. So love each other. Are we ready to do this? Are we ready to drop all the things that divide? And are we ready to call upon Almighty God and say, yes, I will love I will be that witness. I will call upon you, and I will let you live through me. I will love with a passion so that everybody around me will know that you live through me and that you're real. I will call upon your name, and I will allow your spirit to take control of me so that everyone I come in contact with, they will know that you were sent from the Father. There is no greater, greater calling on all of us that to have that calling from the heart. Let's pray. Father, you are an amazing, merciful God. You love us in spite of us. You sent Jesus Christ to snatch us from the slave market of sin, even when we didn't even know it or understand it. And Lord, I pray, Father, that you would just work in the hearts of each one of us to bury differences, to surrender our lives to you, to surrender the moments that you can work through us so that the world may know that you sent Jesus Christ for them. And while our hearts are focused on you while everyone's eyes are closed is God speaking to you is he calling you to give up and allow him to live through you if he's speaking that way to you I just want to give you an opportunity to just come up out of your seats and come down to the front here and just kneel maybe you need salvation maybe you've never trusted Christ Or maybe you're a Christian that you just want to step out and let him be the God he wants to be in your life. Would you do that this morning?
God bless these dear people who have come forward, who have, you know their hearts as they have come to present themselves to you now, Lord, to surrender their lives, to make you first in their lives. Bless them, Father. Give them a new focus, a new zeal, a new desire to walk with you. And Lord, there may be others who haven't gotten up, but you're dealing with them. God, I pray that you wouldn't leave them alone until they make that surrender to you. When love comes through us from you, there is nothing in this world that can compare. And so I just pray that they can know the incredible joy that many of us have come to know. You sent your son, and we accept that, and we want to go forward living that before our Go with us today, Lord. Strengthen us, encourage us, and show us the way to make you first in every situation. We'll give you the praise in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you.